This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we are back for episode number 90. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am honestly and truly thrilled to be bringing you this podcast today. For those of you who are listening to the podcasts as I record them, you know that it's been a couple of months since I've gotten a podcast done. The last podcast came out right before my kids got this really bad stomach virus, and I feel like my life kind of went into a tailspin after that. It was a pretty run-of-the-mill stomach virus for a large family, which means that it takes a week or a week and a half to get its way through everybody, and then everybody has a week or a week and a half of getting better. Then I went to a midwifery conference pretty much right on the heels of that and brought back this really horrible cough-cold thing from that, which took us a while to get over too. And while all of that was going on, we had adventures like our laundry room flooding when our washing machine literally decided to spring a leak, and everything that goes on just with running a website. Plus, I've been doing some additional work on the side with consulting and helping another entrepreneur because, you know, we've got to pay the bills. So life has been pretty, pretty busy for me and for my family. And I just, I really hadn't felt like I could sit down and do the podcast. In fact, the desk where I usually record the podcast at in the bedroom had stuff piled a mile high on it, so please don't feel like you're the only one who has places like that in your home. But last week, I made a really, really significant effort to get the desk cleaned off, to get my bedroom cleaned up, and it's amazing how much more at peace I feel just walking into the room and having it not quite so cluttered. There's still there's still a couple boxes of stuff that need to be sorted but most of it's taken care of. I feel like I can sit down here with the microphone and I can record and it's just, it's really good to feel like I'm back. And my intention is to continue to bring you a podcast every week from this point on. I've also been falling down on doing our live scopes. I kind of shifted the time around and that's been a little bit strange, but next week I'm also hoping to jump back into scopes and to get things done because hopefully, hopefully life is going to feel a little bit smoother from this point out. But again, that's that's life as a mom. That's life with a big family. That's that's just life in general. Uh, we all have times like that. So I certainly understand when you do, and I hope that you'll extend me grace when I do. With that, that's probably enough about me. Um, there's a lot going on on the website right now. Not so much new content, but we've been revamping a lot of old content. We've been getting some birth story submissions. We're trying to get all of the backlogged scopes put up on the website. So do go ahead and check out the website. I do have um, have a neat little checklist of 11 mom, uh, 11 mom improved pain relief techniques, which you can get to on the website pretty much any page on the website is going to have a link to that. Another really cool thing is if you go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com, I've got a new tab on the top that says start here, and that is my five-step birth prep and labor guide article. It's really extensive. It's packed full of information if you need information on preparing for a healthy baby. I also link to other articles of interest like my guide to a fabulous pregnancy. Again, just a really extensive, concise guide. There are a lot of resources for you there. So I really recommend you check those out. 
I've also been completely revamping Smart Mama Happy Baby, which is our kind of our mama's membership club. You can check that out at smartmamahappybaby.com. Uh, I've gotten lots of updates there. I have continued to do pretty regular classes for that. We did a great class on vaccines. We've done a class on supplements. We did a class on handling group B strep. Um, I've got an exclusive class up there for them on building a rich and nourishing milk supply. All of those things are in the members area. You can go through all of those classes and all of those resources anytime you want. They're there for you as long as you're a member. So do check out smartmamahappybaby.com if you're interested in that. Uh, And then otherwise, let's talk today about a topic that I've gotten a lot of questions on and it's it's baby related because I talk I try and balance between pregnancy birth baby motherhood but today we're gonna we're gonna talk baby and this is one that I actually did answer in my smart mama happy baby class recently but somebody asked me if I would do a podcast on it and I thought it would be a pretty low-key podcast to jump back into being regular with and that is Kristen what do I really need for my baby so what I did was I pulled up a baby registry, baby stuff list. Um, This came from one of the mainstream sources. We won't name names because they all look pretty much the same. And I thought it would just be good to go down this list and give you kind of my opinion on what you really need and what you really don't. It starts off with clothing. And I do think that it's sensible to have clothing for your baby. Uh, I I guess it's funny because here's the first thing on the list. I'm already like, uh, but, and the but is, of course, I really feel like in those first few days, sure, you can keep your baby dressed, but the more and more I study, the more and more I think that babies are meant to be skin to skin with us, especially in those early days. I think it's crucial for any kind of birth, and ideally, you're going to have that after a fabulous birth, but I also think that if your birth doesn't go completely as you planned or if you're birthing in a hospital and protocol gets in the way before you can stop it and your baby's whisked away or whatever. Anyways, just take this first time when you can to be skin to skin with your baby and then especially as you're building your milk supply. I mentioned that Smart Mama Happy Baby members have an exclusive class on building a rich, abundant, nourishing milk supply and this is one of the things that I talk about to them is really being skin to skin. It, it, it sends signals that we really can't send in any other way, including having baby nursing at the breast. Of course, any lactation consultant, any Lalechi League leader, any midwife, any OB nurse worth her salt is going to tell you have the baby nurse a lot to establish milk supply, and that's important. But our bodies are actually expecting kind of continuous contact with our babies. And a lot of what they do aside from nursing, just like kneading and nuzzling, and all of those things are part of the the signals and even our baby's smell. So there's like olfactory transmissions going on. There's pheromone transmissions going on. There's a lot going on that we don't, that doesn't seem obvious to us, but it's important biologically for giving our body the right signals to make milk supply. So I'm not telling you not to dress your baby and I'm not telling you don't register for clothes for your baby or whatever. But remember, too, that as important as clothing is, being skin to skin, especially in those early days, is good. And what I was saying before I kind of interrupted myself is if that initial bonding period is interrupted for whatever reason, you can recapture that later. I love that Karen Strange talks about this in her newborn breath workshops, and she talks about you can go back and honor that time of safety, of security, of just surrounding your baby 
in literally basically mother or family if mom and dad you're both together with baby but just that skin to skin cuddling time where there's no needles there's no poking there's no prodding there's no pricking there's nobody else's hands it just gives your baby permission to kind of breathe a sigh of okay it's over I'm safe and regardless of what happens initially with your baby's birth do take that time and I would add on to what Karen says And I think it's important to take many of those times in the early weeks where you can just relax and cuddle your baby. Maybe have an open, a button-up shirt that you can unbutton a little bit and just slip baby there, nuzzle baby there. Just cuddle and enjoy your baby. Okay, let's move back to the registry now. So the clothing that's generally recommended are one one piece outfits, five to seven, and this is per size range. You can get newborn clothes, especially if you've had a baby before, you know your babies are on the smaller size, but if you're eating a good, good healthy pregnancy diet like I recommend in, in my mama baby birthing classes or in my great pregnancy classes, chances are your little one is, is going to not be newborn size for too long. So I wouldn't go overboard with the newborn outfits. Just have some. But really shoot for that zero to three month, three to six month size. Maybe have those on retainer. Usually it's recommended that you get one-piece outfits. Onesies is a brand name, but we think about them as onesies. It's kind of like we think about Q-tips. That's actually a brand name, but onesies are a brand name. So that's one-piece outfits. Body suits or something else they're sometimes called. Those are nice, especially if you want your baby to look neat and you don't want things to ride up. If you're considering ECing your baby, doing elimination communication, they're not the most practical. Now, we do still have cute onesies because a lot of the cute things that you can get for babies are are onesies, but I'll often leave them unsnapped because they just, they get in the way (laughs) when you're trying to EC a baby. So if possible, I like shirts and I really like those little kimono shirts that snap across the front. Those are kind of my favorite if I'm going to put a shirt on a baby. My absolute favorite for newborns, and I don't even see them on this list here, But my absolute favorite gear for newborns, especially babies who are born in fall, winter, or spring, when it may still be a little bit chilly or getting a little bit chilly, are gowns for boys or for girls. Just because they're really easy, Um, they're easy to pull up if you want to see the baby or if you need to do a diaper change. They often have the little mitts that can cover up baby's sharp nails if you don't want to worry about clipping nails or your baby scratching himself or herself. And, um, And they're just, they're easy to pull down. So they don't bunch up quite as much as a shirt does. So again, it's really nice uh, and easy clothing for baby. The kimono shirts are nice, especially if you want to do skin to skin, because just like you would wear like a button down shirt and unbutton it to put baby on your chest, you can unbutton the kimono shirt and have baby's chest to your chest while still having baby's back covered. You're probably going to have a blanket over you too anyways, but that at least a, a lot of moms worry about baby getting cold. So that can give a little peace of mind that baby's skin is to your skin, but his or her back is covered up. Okay, so like I said, gowns aren't even on there, but I would have uh, several. Uh, My ideal is probably to have like five to seven gowns rather than five to seven bodysuits, and those are pretty much what my baby wears at home for the first few weeks, even the first couple of months, because they'll get longer, so the gown will, you know, get closer and closer to their feet, and eventually their little feet might stick out, but really they can wear it for a long time, so I love gowns for my babies. Um, Leggings or pants are good to have. I really like 
uh, like baby legs or even split pants if you want to do those uh, for your baby that you're ECing. But like baby legs or baby leggings, much easier to find now because they've become much more popular. They're really versatile. You can get them in boy print or girl print or neutral prints. And those are really nice for ECing too. You can pair those with a little shirt or if it's really cold, you can even layer them under a gown layer them with socks, and you know that baby's cozy, but you still have easy access for EC or diaper changes. Hats, I think, are important for a newborn. Uh, remember, don't put a hat on your baby right after birth. Take that off because, again, there's that olfactory stuff going on, that smell, those pheromones. Um, we've talked about that on the podcast before, but you want to be smelling your baby. But, you know, when you're taking your baby out and about or whatever, a hat is totally reasonable. And if you've got a bald baby and your house is chilly, I think a hat is also a reasonable thing. My last two babies have had super thick heads of hair, so we didn't put as many hats on them. But my babies before that tended to be baldies, so they wore little pilot caps. Uh, My favorite brand is Hannah Anderson, and I found those helpful. And then whenever we've gone out, like in the winter, I've put a hat on my babies. My midwife always knits a hat for the babies, so um, I've used that a lot in the early months. Socks, booties, those are good ideas to have, of course. Little socks are nice for little toes. Mittens or a snowsuit, I I don't know. I've really, I bought a snowsuit actually at Salvation Army store when I was expecting my first baby, like a little fleece bunting, and I never used it with her even though she was born in December because we were living in the South. And I've actually found that now that we live in northern Michigan, and I've now had three babies in the winter in northern Michigan that I still just don't really use a snowsuit with my baby because when they go in the car seat I've got them in just normal warm clothing and then I layer blankets on top of them and then they go directly from the car seat to the baby carrier so they're right against my body and they actually get zipped into my coat. If I was going to have the baby out in the elements to where he or she was more exposed I might consider a snowsuit. And I do use a fleece bunting with an older baby, like when I'm going snowshoeing and they're on my back. They're still inside my coat, but I'll put them in a lice fleet bunting, fleece bunting. But, uh, but for a little newborn, often I feel like they're nice and cozy inside the wrap with me inside my coat, and I just I don't want them to get overheated. So I've never really found a snowsuit to be particularly useful, but based upon where you are and whether you're going to bury beware or have baby out, whether you've got one of those nice car seat covers or not, you may or may not opt to have that. Pajamas and sleepers. The thing with sleepers is the same as with the bodysuits. They are often inconvenient for ECing. Having said that, I have a weakness for sleepers. I think they're adorable. So, so we have some, and I do enjoy seeing my baby in them, but I do find them super inconvenient for ECing. The easiest ones are the ones that snap all around the crotch area, so like from the ankles um, up and around. The ones that are hardest are the ones where one leg is completely sewn, and then they just kind of unsnap from the crotch and then down to one leg. Those are harder to get off for ECing, so if you were going to pick... From those two styles, I would pick the ones that have snaps down both legs because you can unsnap pretty fast and then hold the baby over the potty or have an easy diaper change. The other kind maybe looks a little more tailored but is less practical. So again, not real practical if you're planning to EC, but they look really cute. And I think that the standard amounts that you see listed on any baby 
uh, baby registry checklist or anything like that are, is going to be practical for these except for the exception that this one that I'm looking at again doesn't have gowns and I love gowns. I actually had a hard time finding gowns while I was pregnant with Sadie so maybe they're not in vogue anymore but I love them. Let's talk diapers now. You're obviously going to want diapers for your baby. I think even if you're going to EC your baby, you want diapers. We we do use diapers for backup with ECing. So Sadie's in diapers. I'm excited now because I'm seeing more and more dry diapers. And I'm really hopeful that she's going to walk soon. She's taking a few steps here and there, but kind of covertly. Like she doesn't want us to know she's walking. She's 13 months old at the time I'm recording this. So I'm hoping she'll start walking soon. And we're probably going to try and, uh, and do a diaper ditching session real quick after she's gotten to be a stable walker because I'm, I'm tired of diapers. Even though we rarely have poopy ones, I'm still tired of diapers. So we do have wet ones. But even if you EC and are planning to hardcore EC, it's generally good to have diapers or at least pre-folds and maybe a couple covers. Um, but in general, if you're going to use disposables, I would have like a case of newborn diapers and then um, size one diapers, maybe a couple cases. If you're asking people for a variety of sizes, couple cases of size one of size two my babies have stayed in size three the longest but some mama's kids go right on up to size four so I would look at maybe your baby previous babies or the babies in your family to decide or just ask for a case of each size that sort of thing if you're asking for a registry or if you're buying in advance throughout your pregnancy to help you get them um if you're doing cloth diapers, there is a there is such a wide variety of cloth diapers that it's hard to say concisely in a podcast episode that's not dedicated to cloth diapering. But um, basically, I would say that if you're going to do pre-folds, I would have like two dozen, maybe three dozen pre-folds and three to four covers. And then if you're doing an all-in-one or, or an all-in-two, well, with an all-in-two, you could probably get away with fewer covers as well. So it would be similar to the pre-folds, but with an all-in-one or a pocket diaper, you're probably going to want at least two dozen, and I would go with three dozen if you can afford it. Um, and then if you're doing like a super budget option like flower sack towels, which I have no problem with, we actually used flower sack towels for Sadie's nighttime diapers with great efficacy for her first year. I mean, I paid like 12 bucks for two dozen flower sack diapers and paid a little bit, splurged a little more on a wool cover, two wool covers actually. Um, but the total cost of those diapers was like super inexpensive. And if I had had to, I could have done that uh, daytime too and I could have gotten less expensive covers for the daytime even to have more covers so even if you're doing it budget you know you, your numbers are still going to be the same like two dozen to three dozen is a good number for diapers so that you can wash every two to three days is what you want to go for you can do wipes either you know packaged baby wipes have a few packages on hand or if you're going to do cloth wipes I, I would have like a couple dozen cloth wipes that's what we do now is cloth wipes in the past I've done regular wipes and you just you know you start off with a couple and buy those when you need them diaper rash cream is usually on the list I think it's good to have a diaper rash cream um, we've always used the Walida or Wellida. Some people say it differently. If we have a baby that's rashy and I put like a fleece liner in there to protect the cloth diaper from the cream and that will resolve anything. But generally with EC babies, there's not a lot. I don't think you're going to probably need a lot, but I would have that. And I would also, when I say fleece liners, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can take 
Like you can go to the fabric store and they usually have a bin of remnants where you can get like a little leftover scraps of yardage and like literally for two or three bucks, you can get like a half yard of fleece in some cute kid pattern that wasn't needed for a project. And then you can cut that into rectangles to lay inside your baby's diaper. Serves as kind of a stay dry barrier for a nighttime diaper and can also protect the diaper from cream because sometimes the cream will cause cloth diapers to start repelling. A diaper bag, definitely a good idea. It doesn't have to be one of those cutie baby print diaper bags. Um, that's not what I've got. I've had those in the past. Right now the diaper bag that I use is from um, Duluth Trading Company and it's a, just a ladies bag. It's actually meant to be like kind of a laptop business bag but I really like the way it looks. It's a nice casual oil cloth and it works great. I actually think I did a scope on what's in my diaper bag if y'all are interested in watching that video. It's on Natural Birth and Baby Care or on the YouTube page for Natural Birth and Baby Care, which is youtube.com slash birthbabycare. Uh, diaper pail and liners. Again, if you want to do that, you can. We just use like a literal pail. It's like a six-gallon um, pail, and I just put my diapers right in there. Usually I do have some wet bags. If you're doing cloth diapers, I would have wet bags, or you can use plastic grocery bags. That's what I used for my first few kids before I had enough extra income to splurge on wet bags. Um... But I just use a diaper pail like that. A lot of people just use a, a trash can that they've bought new for that purpose, especially with cloth diapers. If you want to do like with disposables, we had a problem when we used disposables right after we moved. They would stink to high heaven, which is why I could see the benefit of having like one of those diaper genie things or whatever. But if you're going to if you're going to take them out frequently, you don't really need anything fancy for that. But you should have somewhere for the disposable or cloth diapers if you need, you know, when you need to chuck them when they're done. Okay, let's talk about baby gear, which is perhaps more exciting. So do you need a baby carrier? I do think you probably want to have a baby carrier. That would be the number one piece of gear that I would recommend for a family outside of, of like a car seat because I find them indispensable. Um, I like using a baby wrap for newborns. I've only had one newborn who really did not like the wrap. That was Corwin. He just, he didn't like being in it very much, so that didn't work very well with him. But otherwise, it's worked really well for all my babies, and I like that they can be really cozy. I've used a woven and a knit wrap, and I like the knit wraps that are a little bit stretchy um, better because they just feel like, you know, they cuddle the baby closer, and there's a little stretch so you can pop baby in and out when you're going around doing errands or something. I also really like a sling. I bought a Maya wrap with my second baby. Um, I actually had an over-the-shoulder baby holder with my first baby, and I, I used that with all my babies pretty much until it fell apart. I don't, I don't even know if you can get those anymore, but it was a good sling. Um, but I bought a Maya wrap. I splurged on it with my second baby, and I have used that that sling with every baby since. I don't use a sling often, but there are definitely times, especially with an older baby, that having a sling is nice. Like if they fall asleep and you just want something to help support them, um, so you are kind of quasi hands-free. I find it really useful, like if I'm working at the computer and Sadie's in my lap and she falls asleep, to be able to center into the sling because I can get it on and get her settled in it without disturbing her too much and then I basically have my hands free. Um, a sling is also good because it, it's usually pretty compact. So you can pack it in your diaper bag or keep it as a spare in the car in case you forget your normal baby carrier, which can be a total trauma moment. So... <laughs> 
a sling can be really good for that reason. My favorite carrier is the Ergo Baby carrier, which is kind of like a soft structured carrier. There are a lot of brands. Um, there's a lot of decisions about it. I wore out my first Ergo carrier after four babies and ultimately decided to go ahead and get a second Ergo rather than try another brand just because I loved it. And I actually am recording this podcast with Sadie sleeping on my back in the Ergo right now because she fell asleep while I was vacuuming a little while ago. Um, so it's wonderful. I like the Ergo starting at around four months or so when my baby can go on my back, though I do wear them on my front. I haven't ever used a newborn with an Ergo because I never bought the newborn insert, but I did find a picture of a mom showing how to make your own homemade newborn insert, and if we ever have another baby, I might try that because it looks like something cool to try. But generally, I do it with a little bit of an older baby once they're big enough to not need the insert, and definitely back carry. I mean, once I've got a baby who can go on my back, I, I never use the wrap because it starts to hurt your back on the front when your baby gets bigger. Um, I mean, the baby's on the front, and that starts to pull on your back. As your baby gets bigger, I almost always wear them on my back, and I've gotten really good at, at doing that. I can do it. I did a video before, but I can do another video where I demonstrate putting a baby on your back in, in a soft structured carrier, but definitely love it. Okay, let's move on because I want to keep this moving and not have it get super, super, super long. We might break it up into a couple parts, actually. Um, so next is a stroller. I... I did own a stroller with my first baby, and funny story, we lived, um, actually, we lived in a trailer when my first baby was born home birth in a trailer, like a poor teenage mom. I was totally stereotypical, except for the fact that I chose to have a home birth, but um, anyways, so we lived there, and there was this house across the street, this absolutely adorable. I mean, it still makes me smile just to see it in my mind. This little adorable white house across the street, and I would sit in this you know, dumpy trailer with my baby and dream about if I could have that little white house across the street. And, um, and one day we noticed the people moving out of it. And, and so I went across the street cause, cause the people were there. There was like the moving truck was leaving and there was people locking up. And, um, and actually somebody, well, what, what happened was we knew somebody who mentioned that his, I want to say his uncle's tenants were moving out and then it turned out to be that little white house so we saw them move out and once they moved out we went and spoke to the uncle whose name was Mr. Carl and uh, and ended up being able to rent that little white house for <laughs> an amazing price and and so we moved in there when Cassidy was about five months old and the reason I'm telling this story is because the only time I ever used her stroller was to put stuff in the stroller and walk across the street from the little trailers. This was a really rural area, so it was like a country road. Um, but, you know, walk across the street from the little trailer to the little white house, which was just um, a wonder wonderful couple of days in my life. And then after that, I think I ended up selling the stroller at a consignment shop because I just never used it. I always used a baby carrier when I took her out and about um, and have just, you know, just never really, never really have had a use for a stroller. But and here in northern Michigan, I've seen some moms like taking the stroller out in the snow and trying to wrench that around. And I just can't even imagine doing that. If you're going to jog or something and you want your baby in the stroller, I can understand that. But otherwise, I don't think that a stroller is really a necessity. I think that even if we were to be blessed with twins, um, I would try to baby wear as much as possible. Now, I haven't had twins, so I could end up eating my words or God to ever decide that we needed that kind of a blessing. But, um, 
But yeah, I just, I don't think a stroller's necessary unless you really feel strongly about it. And as we know, as you've heard on, on podcast episodes where I've had guests and things and we've talked about, like, especially the physical therapy that, that, that goes into taking care of flathead syndrome and when a baby has torticollis and those sorts of things. Those are from containerizing, where your baby's in a container all day, and like a stroller where you just click the car seat into the stroller, click the car seat back into the car, just click, 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 click around all day with your baby in this thing, and you never pick him or her up. I think that's just asking for trouble, and I'm not saying that I'm going to condemn any mom who picks a stroller, but I don't think it's a necessity. A car seat I do think is a necessity unless you are able to walk everywhere. Like you live in a village where you can walk everywhere. You're in a little town where everything is in walking distance. And even then, you may still want to get like an inexpensive infant seat or car seat just in case. Uh, Oftentimes, especially if you're low income, you can get one for free just for going to, um, you know, just for going to a class about how to install it properly. So that's something to keep in mind too. Play yard or portable crib, that would be like a pack and play is a brand name for that. I think that they're nice to have. Um, With newborns, I found one nice to have when I had a house with two different levels. So we had one set up on one level that had changing supplies and everything. Um, And then the changing area was in another place. That was convenient and easy for me. And then with an older child, like an older baby and a toddler, I think that they can be helpful sometimes to have a safe place to put the child while you really need to focus your attention elsewhere. Not for them to live in all the time, but for like a 30-minute time to play in that or something, I think is a good idea. Okay. Then, let's see. I I think we might break it up. And talk about feeding equipment and uh, and breastfeeding things and uh, soothers and things in another one. So let's, like when I say soothers, I mean pacifiers and things. So let's just look over this. So what about, what about baby toys and entertainment? Let's hit that on this one and then we'll wrap this one up. So what about bouncy seats or play mats, infant swings, doorway jumpers, activity centers, sometimes called extra saucer things, toys, books, all those sorts of things. So I think you could go either way with these. I definitely do not think that any of those things are a requirement, just like I don't think that a pack and play is a requirement. Really, I think the requirement for your baby is some clothes, some diapers, a a baby carrier, and a car seat. And really, you can get by without much more. Do I think that some of these other tools are helpful? Yes. I think that a baby swing, which I didn't have a swing until we had our fifth baby, But I think that the baby swing has bought me some sanity in the early days. I don't think they should be overused, again, because they're containers and because you also want your baby to learn good sleep skills. I talk about that. I've got an extensive sleep class in Smart Mama Happy Baby, and we talk about this extensively in that class. But I do think that sometimes mom's sanity is worth it. Um, And so if, if you can splurge, that's an okay thing to have. A bouncy seat kind of the same thing you can let your baby sit in the bouncy seat to give you a minute hands-free a bouncy seat is small it sits nicely for instance in the bathroom while you take a shower or something if you want your baby to be close by and safe Um, or in the kitchen while you're working kind of a little ways away from you if you want your baby to be safe many of the instances when a baby a bouncy seat could be used I think your baby could be safely in a baby carrier 
And I think that if you didn't have a bouncy seat, having your baby safely, like say on a quilt on the floor, would also probably be acceptable. Would your baby be super happy? Chances are probably not, because often babies don't want to be put down, but sometimes putting them down uh, on a soft quilt on the floor while you hop in the shower, again, is a sanity thing, and I think that's totally okay. For a play mat or a gym, I do think a play mat is a nice thing to have. Now, when I look at them in the store and see a $50 price tag on them, it's kind of like, whoa, ouch. So I think that if you can find a nice play mat secondhand, we bought ours at a garage sale for like three bucks and have used it with our last four babies. And it actually, it had a, a little tear in the fabric so that the, um, so that like the little bendable plastic rod that makes it arch over the baby's head popped out. And I just pushed that back in and then whip stitched it back up. And it's been just fine since then. So, you know, it served us well for several babies. I certainly don't think you need to buy it brand new. But that can be nice to facilitate tummy time or to facilitate a little bit of independent playtime with your baby. And remember, you may you may build up to that. So your baby may not be all cool about having a half an hour or an hour under that thing at a time. But for a few minutes, it can help encourage your baby and give your baby some fun. And I, I think that my babies have liked it. Again, not for extended periods, not a necessity, but a little tool in your arsenal. There's some cool cool plans on Pinterest to make a homemade one. I've got one pinned on Natural Birth and Baby Care's Pinterest page, uh, which is pinterest.com slash birthbabycare. And if you wanted to look at that or your crafty mama or something, that could be fun. Doorway jumpers, um, not necessarily the best for your baby's hips. Some people say that their babies love them. Again, they may buy you a few minutes. I think that's a personal decision. It's certainly not a necessity. An activity center or exercaucer. Never had one. Have had some families that were big fans of it. Said they helped facilitate a happy baby during a family meal or something. So I think that basically falls into the same category as the bouncy seat. That if, if it's something that you feel really helps you as a mom, then that's okay. But I certainly don't think that it's necessary. Um, or like a jumpy jump which is kind of like a stationary doorway jumper. If it buys you a few minutes, if it buys you some happiness, then that's fine. Again, we had a secondhand one of those that we've used some here and there with babies. Corwin really liked it. Sadie never really was a big fan of it. So again, I think if it can buy you a few minutes, if you can get it secondhand or if somebody really wants to buy you a gift, that's fine. But I don't think that it's necessary. I also don't really think that toys are, are particularly necessary. There are some toys that your baby's going to be interested in and others, most, your baby's just not going to care about. But a little rattle, a couple rattles, maybe a little soft um, doll, like a Waldorf-style baby doll, uh, and then something something they can chew on. So our babies really like, we call them chew hammers. I think they're actually called chewy tubes, and they're like a silicone they're actually made for, for like uh, physical therapists to use for oral therapy with kids. And we were first introduced to them because Galen had feeding difficulties, our fourth, fourth baby. And we used them with this therapist, but our, all of our babies have loved them because they're really easy for them to hold. They're easy for them to chew on and just, you know, kind of uh, satisfy that urge to chew. That's been an enduring toy that our little ones have really loved. But really, I think it's hard to find baby toys that keep a baby's interest for terribly long, period. So I think having a few appropriate toys for each age and stage 
that you can rotate around is going to be just fine. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to have your house covered in blinking, um, squeaking, honking plastic because it's just, it's really probably not going to interest your baby. And it's, I don't really think probably developmentally it's the best for our babies. So a few carefully chosen toys. And if your baby totally rejects your super carefully chosen, you know, beeswax polished wooden toys, don't be offended because I've had that happen. Like I said, the chewy tubes are like a medical grade silicone and they're the most fun toys for our babies. They certainly wouldn't, you know, qualify for a mother nature catalog or anything. But basically look, you know, look for what you think may interest your baby. Don't splurge. Don't have too much books. I think it's good to have a selection of board books, but you don't have to go overboard. Your baby will be happy if you read her the same three books uh, over and over and over again. And then then go to the library and visit the library, check out books. And the beautiful thing about those books is they go back to the library so that they're not overwhelming your house with all these books. And also, if you decide you really didn't care for a book, back to the library it goes, which is better than sometimes having all these books that people have given you that you realize you really don't care for, which is unfortunately the case with a lot of children's books nowadays. Okay, so that covered kind of gear and then the basics of diapering and clothing. Next week, we'll talk about sleeping, um, feeding, and, and just like basic health and safety kind of things. So I think that's a good place to leave off. Again, uh, I apologize for the long break. Life got in the way. Hopefully, I'll be back to you every week now. Do go ahead and check out SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. Again, that's Smart Mama. M-A-M-A, smartmamahappybaby.com. That's all the information on the Mama Club. Again, you get all of the live classes that I do every month free. We've done vaccines, group B. We've done breastfeeding made simple. Um, we've done gestational diabetes. We've just uh, we've done supplements. We've done so much cool stuff, and I'm always open for suggestions, always taking suggestions from members. You get access to every past class that I've done. Um, in the club on eating on baby sleep you get go to sleep the entire program that covers newborns infants and toddlers you get how to create babies who are going to eat really well how to nourish your baby all that kind of stuff is there that helps support me and my family it helps keep the podcast coming helps keep the website online i really appreciate your support I also really value your feedback. So if you can take a minute, uh, just let me know what you think about the podcast. Leave me a rating on iTunes or in Stitcher or send me a message on the contact form and let me know what you'd like to hear coming up on the podcast. With that, I will talk to you next week and I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.